You are listening to The Breakup Evolution, a collection of real-life vignettes of how people grow from heartbreak. You know when you see someone sitting at a coffee shop or just walking around and you wonder, what is their story? Surely they've loved before or experienced a broken heart. Surely they have a story to tell. It's just a matter of getting a chance to talk to that person and being vulnerable enough to talk about something so delicate like the heart. This week, we get to hear from Barge, across the pond in the UK, but originally from Kenya and Zanzibar. Picture the brightest smile in the room and an exuberance that's refreshing and super welcoming. That's Barge. Even though you're not seeing me right now, but you can hear me. So uh, I'm sending you all my energy right now. Please don't fall off your chair or anything, but um, just hang in there and let's enjoy this. So I come from, I was born in Kenya and um, I also lived in Tanzania, Zanzibar. And the difference of being in a different countries, it kind of made me to become who I am today. In Kenya, I was, yeah, you know, I was born like everyone else. I don't, you know, I thought I was an alien, but I wasn't. I'm human. So I was born with my mom and dad. But the thing is, I didn't grow up with them. So I grew up with my grandmother. I felt and, you know, being like an only child. Now, living with my grandmother, and that's all I knew, you know what I mean? And my father used to come and visit me, but at the age of nine, he died. And all my uh, my mother and my other siblings, they went to Zanzibar, where my father's mother, so my, my mother's in-laws, they used to live with them. Now, it wasn't easy, but for me, I didn't know, and I didn't... I didn't worry so much about them because I didn't live with them. So for me, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the same, the connection and everything. But then what happened is that because I'm living with my grandmother and my grandfather, so that's my my father's uncle, that's my grandmother and my grandfather. And I was living with them. Their children, they're already adults. So I was kind of the only child. But growing up, it wasn't easy because at the age of... I think from six to eight, I was sexually abused at the time. I couldn't tell anyone because I was, I felt I've already been kind of taken away from my mom and dad. I don't know why I was taken away there. I don't know why I was my, my grandmother, you know, I was given to my grandmother. So I couldn't tell anyone because I was scared where they're going to put me now, who I'm going to go to. You know what I mean? So I couldn't. The only people that I used to talk about it is my my other friends who are same age as me. And they couldn't tell anyone. So it was just something that was happening to me, but no one knew about it. Now, at the age of 12, I was shipped out to go to Zanzibar, literally shipped. And it took me to from Kenya to Zanzibar. Now, coming out of the ship and I had someone calling my name and I looked at her and I was just like, who are you? I asked her and she said, she looked at me and she was like, 
I'm your mom. I was like, what? You beautiful woman. You know, you look so fair. And, you know, when I get burned, I get black. So I'm like, you don't look like me. And she and I just fell in love with this beautiful woman. And I was just like, wow, she looks like an Indian goddess. And I was just like, wow, she's amazing. And all I could do just staring at her. And all I want to do in Monster Inc., there was a one of the monster who was like a jelly. And every time he <laughs> Uh-huh. likes to hug people and when they he hugs them they kind of go inside him and that's the way I felt when I wanted to hug my mom I wanted her to go inside me because so I can feel her more you know what I mean because I felt that I've missed all this time with her and so I wanted that it's like I wanted to know everything about her and going into the family house because it was one compound with two houses one house is my uncle's the other house is my father's house but we live my siblings uh, you know with my siblings and my mom and my grandmother and my aunt so the house was full and there was kind of a routine going on my mom she was like a cinderella because in africa at the time women were not treated like you know kind of um is they treated differently women supposed to stay in the kitchen women supposed to not to make noise you're not supposed to ask many questions you're not supposed to go you know have your own business or drive your own car or you know what i mean so there was so much rules for women and for my mother because she as well she didn't have a job or she didn't have education she didn't have any say about how to bring up her own children because my father's side they were doing all that so for her she was she just has to like if you want to stay here you have to do this and my uncle used to bring tourists because he's a tour guide he used to bring tourists in the house who speaks you know either um, english or french and because those are my favorite subjects at school and i was i love it okay and so when he brings them i will be talking to them and when i talk to them just to build a rapport build a relationship with him so they can trust him and they can know his family so next time when they come in they will contact him things like that so this time i was called to my uncle's house and i was like it's a bit late because usually when he calls me there's a tourist there's you know someone came and it was late and i was like what's going on so anyway i didn't question too much and i went when i got there i was like oh the, it was a man usually there's like a family you know and so this one is just a man by himself and he was black and i was like okay this is a bit weird usually he brings people who are you know white color from different countries <clears throat> so i was like this is weird anyway i sat down and i was listening and then next thing i was like oh this man can speak swahili as well so i was like why is he here <laughs> i looked at my uncle and i was like Mm, do you need me because i don't feel like uh, i need to be here and because it made me uncomfortable because the the man started asking personal questions and he was asking me oh can i have your picture i'm like what i looked at my uncle like are you for real what's going on here and and then he asked me like about school and things like that and i just felt very very uncomfortable so i told my uncle please can i go and he's like yeah yeah go and i left 10 minutes later i got it's just like a few walks away anyway 10 minutes later people start screaming in the house i was like what are they screaming about 
I came out of my room and I was like, what's, what's going on? Is someone murdered or something? I was like, so he said, yes. I'm like, what do you mean he said yes? He said, yes, he wants to marry you. I'm like, what? I didn't go there. Didn't nobody ask me anything. I was like, no, just lying. Anyway, uh, I was 15 at the time. I got engaged. I My grandmother called me into her, into her room with all my sisters and my auntie was there and my mom. I'm not sure if my mom was there. I don't remember. But uh, then she said to me, Barke, you're getting married. I'm like, what? I'm, I don't want to get married. And she slapped me first time. I was like, I really don't want to get married. And I got another slapped. And I was like, nope, you are getting married. I was like, but. And I was like, just be quiet. Because there's nothing I could say. And that time I was, I had these two feelings. Okay, I could just leave this. Maybe, you know, it won't happen. You know what I mean? Maybe they'll lose interest and it's never going to happen. Another thought was, maybe I could run away because I don't want to get married. I don't know this man. And he looks older. And I was just like, this is not for me. But then when I was thinking about running away, remember, I only came to Zanzibar at the age of 12. And this is now 15. So only, what, three years? And I don't know the country so much. I don't know the place. I don't, I've never, you know, they never let us out to go outside, like, for too long. We have to be with family all the time. So I was just like, where am I going to run? I don't even know where I'm running to. So, and I was so scared. I was like, what if, you know, I've gone into a, a place they would want, force me to do things I don't want. What will happen to me? And then I was like, what about my uncle? He knows everyone. I, they will find me. So I couldn't run away. The next thing is that I had no friends. I had no one. So I looked at myself and I was like, you know what? I started praying and I started reading the Quran and I started becoming more religious because I believe that if no human being can help me, then God will help me. So I started talking to God and I said to God, God, if this is your way of saying this is I have to go through this, then I will I will I will just do it. You know what I mean? And then make it just, just go on with it. But I know because you've got a better plan and bigger plans for me. So a year later, I did get married. And on my wedding day, I danced like there's no, like this is my last day on this earth. I enjoyed myself and I had fun because I believe that I would never, ever get another, get married again. This is the only marriage for life. That's the way we were at the time. And there was no such thing as divorce. There's no such thing as the only thing, the man's going to die or you're going to die. You know what I mean? And that's the, that's the way it is. Anyway, got married in September. September came straight to London, United Kingdom. And I was 16 years old. I'm a tomboy and I didn't even know my size bra. I didn't even know anything about anything. Few about September, by November, I found out I was pregnant and I started my life as an adult and I became a mother straight away. 
after my first child, I got pregnant again very quickly. I became well, a mother again. And my life kind of, it's like everything stopped for me because I had so much responsibility. I have so many things I needed to do. It's like when we are celebrating my 18th birthday and my baby was just a few months or when we are celebrating my 20th birthday, those kind of like in a haze, if you can understand it, they want really kind of like, oh, I will remember you know what I mean? Because I was so busy being a mother and being a wife that it wasn't really memorable because I was just, I was just busy. But then my life changed when my babies were still babies. And my husband at the time, he is a police staff. One day I said to him, I want to become a police officer. He looked at me and laughed and said to me, what? You want what? I was like, I want to become a police officer. You, you cannot be a police officer. You don't even have education. Do you know a police officer, they have to have education. What do, what job do you have? What education do you have? You got nothing. You are nothing. I looked at this man. I couldn't even say anything. I, my eyes and my body just automatically turn around. And I looked at my child at the backseat of that car. And all I could think of was, where can I go? Who would want me? Where would I, you know, who would even open the door for me? Who would understand where I am right now? What, what am I going to do? I can't do anything. I have to stay. And that is the day that I surrendered myself and let him do this and say these words over and over again every time there's something he didn't like every time there's something he didn't approve every time and that is a lot of time this man was he was actually kind of like because I love watching movies so he will put sky on and then the sky, and then he will come one minute. I don't like you watching too much TV. He will take it out. There'll be no TV to watch. I will start reading books. My favorite books was James Patterson's, okay? This detective series, uh, Detective Cross. Oh my goodness. was I have the whole shelf just for James Patterson. And I started reading books. I started reading books like, uh, because the same thing I was watching on TV. So heroes, superheroes. Oh my God. They're my favorites. I started reading different types of books. I said, oh my, and then he will complain about that too. And then he will be like, okay, put the sky back on and I'll go back to the sky. <laughs> and then he, because this is my time out. You know what I mean? And I, why not? So, and he will take that away. And when I'm wearing, like, for example, clothes, uh, loose clothes, you know, because of my culture and things like that, I'll wear loose clothes and, you know, maxi dresses and things like that. And then he will complain. Why are you wearing loose clothes? Look at you. You look so horrible. You look this. Okay. I start wearing trousers more. Why are you wearing trousers? What's wrong with you? All this. And I was like, oh my God. When we go outside to eat, like he will take us for dinner. My favorite restaurant at the time was Nando's. I don't know if you know that. It's a grilled chicken. And I just love the spicy, the chilliness. Oh, my goodness. And he will, me and my children and him, it will be like a family day out. 
And next thing, after he paid for that food, he will start to go on and on about how much do you think this this came about? Do you think this thing is cheap? Why you think, oh, I was like, oh my God, I wanted to vomit this food and put it on the table and take it back because it was making me feel so horrible inside out. I started to actually saying to him, no, I don't want to go out. I will actually cook. I will make sure of this. I will always find solutions and different ways to make this man happy. And he's never happy. Never. Everything I do is not good enough. So what happened is that I started writing a journal. So this journal, because I've got a, I have a habit when I'm arguing with someone or when there is a confrontation or there is a disagreement, uh, five minutes later or 10 minutes or one hour, I forget what we, what we, uh, what was the argument? I forget that, you know, you know, like if there's an issue that, you know, I forget all of those things and I will go back and start talking to them and being nice to them and forget everything else. And then I wrote a letter to him and say to him all those things that he that he used to say to me they are hurting me i don't like them please stop but i couldn't give him the letter so what i've done is that i sat down in my kitchen and i pretended him sitting down there now I kept doing it. I kept doing it, having diary after diary. Wherever I go in my handbag, I will have a diary. Wherever I go, whatever I'm like waiting in a bus or waiting for something or in a GP or whatever it is that I've got a few minutes, I will start writing in my diary. And then I one day I started reading them and I was like, oh my God, they all have the same thing. It's not me. I'm not the problem. I used to say to my children, your dad is confused.com because he doesn't know who he is. He's like, he's like confused.com. He has the identity issue. He doesn't know who he is. And another thing is that he is in pain. Okay. He is going through his own trauma. He is going through his own pain that he doesn't even see what he's doing is actually pushing me away because he he sees me but he doesn't see me he sees me as a 16 year old he doesn't see me as his partner he doesn't see me as a wife he doesn't come to me when he actually like you know wants to talk or wants ideas or wants this one suggestion or wants uh you know a, the person to actually say i'm here for you he just wants, this is what you're going to do. This is what's going to happen. And so for me, that made me very lonely, made me very unhappy and made me very sad at the same time. In another, it was kind of like, like, for example, money, finances. He wants all the control of the finances. So when I started working in catering and I'm making money, I said to him, I'm going to stop for you to pay for my phone because he used to go through my phone list and he will ask who's this number who did you talk to for how long did you talk to this person why did you talk to them what was the what did you what was the topic and all these questions and I used to be like this is torture because this is not the way it's supposed to be so the first thing I wanted to do when I was earning my own money is take him out of my bill or my phone bill so he doesn't see what I or who I call. So 12 years of being married to this man, 
one day I was going to the toilet and I, I saw myself in the mirror. And when I looked at the reflection on the mirror and I was like, who is that? I could not believe. I was like, is that? They can be. It's like, you know, when you looked at the mirror, it, when, you, when you look at your auntie, you know, when you're younger and you, your auntie's getting older, yeah? And you're like, and I looked at this, I was like, that looks like my auntie. And I was like, who is that? In my head, I'm seeing myself as a 16-year-old. You have to understand, for me, it felt like I jumped from 16 to where I was 30-something now. And I couldn't believe it. I looked at myself and I was like, what? That's me? That's that really bad. I don't like this. So I was like, that's wakened something inside of me. Because then I was like, oh my God, I am not happy. I'm actually depressed. I'm actually feeling really bad and feeling ugly and feeling, I just hated me. So that was the moment that I had to wake up and started taking responsibility of who I am as a person. I said to my husband, I don't want this anymore. I want a divorce. He looked at me. He thought I was joking. And when I packed my bags and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I want a divorce. He called my family. And remember, most of my uncles, um, most of them are men. And so... I was summoned on the call and they said to me, Barke, what's wrong with you? You have to understand, I've never complained about my, my, my marriage. I never complained about my husband. So nobody knew what was going on. They thought I was in love. They thought that my marriage is perfect. So then when I said, I want a divorce and they asked me, why do you want a divorce? I said, I want to be happy. They said to me, what? And they say the word F word and there's no such thing as happiness in this world. Go back to your husband. He looks after you. You'll be okay. It's better to be with someone and not to be with anyone. And I couldn't understand that, you know. And one of my uncle who was uh, was in America and then he went to Saudi Arabia. And I thought he would understand more than the ones in Africa because there's different mentality. And he didn't, you know, because... And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And they said to me, Barke, because they noticed that I wasn't playing ball. You know, I wasn't listening to them. And so they said, if you don't do this, we are going to disown you. That scared me to death. I went back to my husband because I financially, I wasn't able. I knew I wasn't ready to actually take my children. How would they survive? Uh, emotionally, I was still feeling that this is not uh, time because I felt that I wanted to punish myself and I was in a vulnerable state that I didn't know at the time, but I knew everything that I wanted to do was really not good for me, if you can understand it. So what happened is that when I was start looking for places, my son called me once and he said to me, mom, it's eight in the evening when are you coming back home we are hungry there's no food in the house and I was like what do you mean there's no food in the house is your dad home yes he's home but I think mom he's drinking he's in the living room he hasn't come out for hours and I'm scared to ask him for food that shook me to my bones because this is the promise I made to God 
before I got married, that I will take care of my family. I will never let my children feel the way I felt when I was young. And so I couldn't. I had to go back. And I said to him, okay, let's go back together. So when we go back together, he the first thing he said to me, we have, we have more, more, there's the conditions. And I was like, what's the conditions? There's, uh, you're not allowed to speak with anyone. You're not allowed to have friends. You're not allowed to laugh. You're not allowed to hug people. You're not allowed to do this. So it was kind of like, okay, but I felt dead inside. That took me two years of living like that until one day I looked at him, there was no more fear inside of me. There was no more, there was no more expectation. There was no more pain. I looked at him and I was like, enough, I'm done. I called him and I said to him, I'm done because Everything, he, when he noticed that he's not working for me, he started doing it to my daughter. And when he started doing that, I lost all respect to him because I could not believe a father, this is your blood, this is your daughter, and you're doing this to her. She's just 14 years old. She doesn't know anything. And you're doing this. And that's when I knew, no. I can't, even if I'm not going to survive, even if I my life will be hard, I can do it. I will try my hardest, but I am not scared anymore. I'm not. And that's when things started to change. But guess what? It didn't finish just like that. I went filed for divorce. I, one year later, I did receive my divorce. And the only thing saved me was because I actually, I surrendered to God again. I went back to God and I said to God, God, you, you took me and you through this process to become married to this man. And now I'm out of this marriage. There must be another plan. There must be something more. And because I believe in law of attraction, I believe in God and I have faith. And that's what made me stronger because I knew I cannot control what is, what is outside of me, but I can control what's inside of me. And that's, helped me in so many level. And also another thing that helped me was that my uncle who was a Saudi Arabia, he actually bought me a set, a golden set of my uh, jewelry uh, for my wedding as a present. I took that and I pawned it. And that was the money that cleared for me to actually stay in my flat to pay the rent and to get it to where we are at the time to the present. I did all that. That's my accomplishment. You know what I mean? And I used to never see it like that. Trust me. My smile, when people say to me, Barki, I love your smile. I will say to them, I had to earn that smile. And now I'm smiling. I'm wearing it like a badge because I deserve to smile. And so concludes this episode of The Breakup Evolution. You can find Barke in a number of ways, as she put it, She's all over the internet. So if you Google Barke, B-A-R-K-E, be your own hero on Google, you can find a number of platforms where you can reach out to her. And if you have a story about a breakup, what 
whatever form it may be, person, place, or thing, reach out to me. My email address is thebreakupevolution at gmail.com.